Alright, if you would, turn with me this morning to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where we'll start this morning. It's always fun to hear what kids have to say. Well, sometimes it's fun to hear what kids have to say. Let me, let me redact that. Um, but <clears throat> that was a sweet prayer by Reagan, actually. Thank, thank the Lord that they're so nice to, to us. Which is, which is my experience with mothers. They are very nice. Uh, that's what sort of mothering sort of uh, idea is. I don't know if that goes along with fathers as much, but, you know, uh, at least in my life, the, my mother is uh, super nice to me. Uh, maybe overly nice to me. Um, notice in 1 Thessalonians, we're actually going to bump into uh, Paul mentioning Mothers, And so I wanted to point this out and uh, sort of springboard from that with some things I think that are extremely important for the church to understand, especially in light of coming off of our three sermon series of preparing, planting, and producing. One of the, if you look up the term mothering, you'll, you'll know that one of the synonyms is actually to produce and to bear even, and so to bring up, uh, so to speak. And so anyway, notice this in uh, 1 Thessalonians <clears throat> We're going to pick up uh, with verse 5. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But... We were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being effectually desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And we'll stop right there with verse 8. Let us pray and thank God for His Word. Lord, we thank You for Your Word that has come to us. And Lord, as we've heard this reading of the Word, Lord, we pray that the Spirit who inspired these words would now come and illuminate our hearts and minds and prompt us, even convict us, O Lord, of what You would like from us this morning as Your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking back one doesn't always realize the impact that another has on them. My mother uh, really has one claim to my life that no one else has, and that is she has borne me. Uh, It's kind of a play on words, but both ranges of meaning actually apply to that. She literally has borne me up, uh, spiritually and physically. I was born from her body, and she still, even to this day, carries me in prayer. I guarantee if you were to ask her this morning, who all did you pray for? I was on her list. Uh, she thinks of me, and it's, it's, a, you know, it's a humbling thing for someone to think about you that much uh, as, as, as she has for me. Mothers have that ability. They literally, physically, biologically, anatomically, uh, by God, are built that way, designed that way. It's something special only to women. Uh, and not to men. We don't enjoy that. I say enjoy uh, not knowing the full range of what it costs actually to carry another. 
Um, and I've seen Jessica, my wife, carry five people. That's nuts, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> on many levels, but uh, but it's uh, it's a, it's a very costly thing to bear another person. It, you know, one of the things I mean, you see people everywhere, and you never really just stop to think somebody really took a lot of, a long time to to sort of help them get into the world. Uh, help them get acclimated even into the world. I mean, if you really think about it, a mother's love is the first love a child ever experiences in her own body. The body loving on that child by giving it life, giving that individual, that person life. And we believe, as the Scripture indicates to us, that life begins at conception. And um, although two are there at that moment... Uh, and help with that process, again, being God's way. This is the way He designed things. Uh, it's one of those two people that actually carries the person. And what a, what a privilege that is, but also what, a, what, a, what an image that is. And it's the image of God that we see. He's the one who designed gestation, birth. I mean, it's a powerful, mighty fearful, scary thing to be pregnant and to give birth. And although I've not got personal experience in the sense of me doing it, I have been by my side by the side of my wife as she has borne five children into the world. And it's a very costly thing. And love costs, doesn't it? Anytime we get involved with another, it's going to cost us in some way. Time, energy, resources, it's a sacrifice. And to get you here this morning was a sacrifice. A sacrifice that some mother paid. And there's one who knows full well what it means to bear another, we're told in the Bible, and that is God. One of the prophecies of Isaiah is that he, speaking of Jesus, and yet he doesn't even know Jesus, he's prophesying here, says he has borne our iniquity. There again is that bearing, that cost that is involved in His own self. The Scripture tells us that God is love. And when we look at what love cost Him, it's not just some cheap love. And what uh, a mother's love is, is not a cheap love. It's a love for life. The Scripture says, For He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, Paul uses this. He picks up this language here. Notice he says, We could have made demands upon you while we were with you. He's talking to the Thessalonians. And it's a group of people that he loves. He actually says a lot of good things about the Thessalonians, sort of unlike the Corinthians. But he tells them, he says, Look, we could have made demands on you that you had to, to pay for us to be there and, you know, that you had to supply our needs while we were there. But instead, we didn't do that. I built my tents. And we found money elsewhere to support ourselves. And instead, what he, what he does is he says, instead, we were like this. We were like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. In other words, we weren't pulling from you. We were allowing you to pull from us. And in a woman's body is the ability to do that. The capacity for life. Not in a man's body. In a woman. And this is why he has to use this this image here of mother. We were like a mother to you. We weren't there to take or, or, or this, but instead to give and to create space. And so first thing I want to point us to is this. If we're going to be the church, 
If we're going to be proper Christians, then we need, we too all need to have a mother's love for others. In other words, create space in our church, in our life, for others. Mothers here can be an example for all. As you see here, Paul says, we were like mothers. So when we talk about Mother's Day, which is not a, it's not a holy day, okay? It's, a, it's really a, just a, a day to remember mothers, you know? And, and again, now we have this thing where it seems like there's a day for everything. There's probably a day for one-eyed monkeys. I don't know, but it's probably a day out there for them, and we're supposed to celebrate it. I don't celebrate all that stuff, you know, typically, but we do celebrate Mother's Day. Uh, but not in the sense of making people feel uncomfortable or, you know, the message is going to be inappropriate for you. No, no, no. I'm saying if Paul is saying it, and then you remember also where Jesus, his mom actually comes with his brothers and sisters apparently, and they, uh, they say, hey, tell him to come outside real quick because he was in there preaching and teaching. And, uh, and he says, well, no, I'm not going to go outside. Instead, who, who are my, who's my mother? Who, who are my brothers and sisters? It's those who do the will of God. So it's actually more than just biological motherhood. Here, apparently, we all can be motherly in the sense of creating space for others in our life. This is a motherly love that not only has impacted us, getting us here biologically, but spiritually speaking, think about this. Those who are in your life that would be spiritual mentors, those who, who have helped you along the way, are ones who created space for you. They took out of their schedule. They gave of their... Notice what Paul says here. He says, look, we didn't just preach a message to you and then roll out. Instead, we were there to give you our very lives. You know what? The Christian life... Evangelism, reaching others, is not just about preaching to other people. Always beating them over the head with, you know, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, correcting. That's not, it's instead living the life and creating space even to include those who are tough to get along with. I'm sure that... uh, for some mothers today, <laughs> Mother's Day has not already has already not been very enjoyable because people have been pulling on them. Especially if you're around my house, we have little children that always need something. And one of the most common words around our house is mama. Mama. Mama, I need this. Mama, I need that. Because little people, they need a lot of stuff. And for whatever reason, they don't seem to think that dad can come through with those things. Um, or that he doesn't hear it, or whatever it might be, but they know that they can get a response from Mama. At least around our house, that's the way it works. And so Mama gets said way more than Daddy does, uh, even when, when I'm like, guys, let's, I don't want the word Mama said today. I want Daddy said today. I'm gonna try to, we're going to try to pull this stuff toward me. I do a very poor job of that. Not, you know, again, not reflective of all fathers or mothers and how that works, but it's just at our house, that's the way it goes. And, and here, again... In our own Christian life, the first kind of love we should feel is love from the church. Uh, It's been said before by many, uh, St. Augustine and others, that if God is our Father, the church should be our mother. And so if a mother, if we're thinking, again, just again biologically alongside the spiritual, if the mother's love is the first love toward a child, then so it should be to all people. Their first touch should be the church. That's where we're nurtured. That's where there's room created for other people. Life. 
to nurture life in the body. In other words, it takes a body to create a body. And isn't that just the craziest thing in the world? People don't come off a factory line. It happens in a person's body, namely a woman's body. What, a, what an amazing process. And although that has been disparaged and you know, whatever else in our own society, you know what? That's God's design. And we didn't come up with it. That's His design. It's kind of one of these things, if you don't like it, then you have to take it up with Him. And if we think about this, Jesus is the first to love us and He's the head of the church. So, we're called to love, to be also, notice, gentle among you. He says, look, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother. How many of us need that gentle touch in our own Christian life? I mean, if anything like me, a lot of it has, has been stumbling along. And you fall and you fail and you mess up, but you get back up. Why? Because other people are gentle with you. That's why. It's always a, um, an encouraging thing. <coughs> you know, I, I did, a, did a race yesterday, a triathlon, and one of the things that's encouraging is to have other people come alongside you and just give you a kind word. Come on, man. We're almost there. You know what I mean? They're like, like, I'm just now starting my race, and somebody's just now finishing. They're like, all right, you can do this. You know, I'm like, man, I wish I were where you were, you know? Well, we can wish all day long that we were where they were, you know, only a half a mile left. But, but the reality is sometimes we're very far from that. But what we need in our life are people, Christians, to come along us and be gentle with us. You know, people already know where they messed up in general. I mean, you don't, you don't normally need to tell people how bad they are. They kind of get that. But how many of us would have a ministry among the church of being gentle? Not abrasive, not angry, but gentle. I know that's the kind of love I would like to see in my own life when I fail. When you mess up, you like a gentle touch, uh, even with the corrective. And, and by the way, Paul is not just using this mother example. If you drop down a few verses here, in verse 12, he says, We exhorted you, each one of you, I'm sorry, verse 11, for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you uh, to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And the way that God has set this thing up is we have a father and we have a mother. That's the way he set us up. Now, again, there's a lot of brokenness in this world. And that's not without redemption, thankfully. Praise be to God. He can redeem all kinds of situations, any situation. Uh, but this is the design. And just because there are brokenness out there doesn't mean we just scrap the whole thing. This is His way. And so we need a father's love, we need a mother's love. And a mother's love seems to be one that brings more gentleness to it than not. Also, like a nursing mother, he says. So this love literally is allowing another to feed off of you. Who would have ever thought of that? I mean, I surely wouldn't have. How are we going to feed this little baby that just got... Well, you know what? Off your body. Which is a novel concept to some in our society. And yet, it's a reality. And I'm saying this about the church. If the church is to be our mother, then others must feed off of us. Now, if that's the case, don't we have to have a supply? One of the things they're going to tell you, you know, uh, with breastfeeding... <clears throat> again, I'm... I'm an expert, practically speaking, but theoretically speaking, and uh, is that you have to eat a certain amount of calories a day. Why? Because you need to produce milk. All right, well, in the same way, 
doesn't the church then need to feed and have a supply ready to feed others? If we're dry, how can we feed others? If we have nothing that we have taken in, how in the world can we give out anything? What we would give would be weak and anemic. Doesn't that sound somewhat like the church in America sometimes? Weak and anemic. Maybe there's a lot of us number-wise, but the power seems to be gone. The form is there, but the godliness is lacking. We've not spent time feeding off of the bread of life in order to offer anything to anyone. And it must not be. Brothers and sisters, it must not be. And so, notice he also says, affectionately desirous of you. I love that. I mean, when he goes with the mother illustration here and image, it really is quite lavish, if you will. Uh, and we all need that. We all need someone that's in our corner rooting for us that is affectionately desirous of us. Not in a sensual way, but one that their desire is for us. Even in this church, a personal testimony of mine is that I have spiritual mothers here that pray for me. Spiritual mothers that, that you know, even when I have offered up something to be prayed for and sort of have forgotten about it, they come back and say, you know what, I'm still praying about them. I'm like, oh wow, that's even dropped off my radar and it's still on their radar because they care for me. And that's a testimony of how others have held me up, created space in their schedule to hold me up. Should we not all be doing that as Christians? We're all called to do that. I'm called to do that. We're all called to create space <clears throat> excuse me, for others. It's what God Himself does. He says, you became dear to us. I mean, how many people outside of your family and your friends that you like uh, become dear to you? You know, one thing I love about the family of God, and, and Susan prayed this this morning in our, in our prayer time uh, before service, is this is a family. And we have people of all different ages. We need grandmothers in the faith. We need mothers in the faith. We need those who are receiving instruction from these mothers and grandmothers in the faith. And this is the beauty of family. It's the beauty of the family of God. You know, I uh, throughout my life, my mom really thought she thinks I'm like the best. You know what I mean? Which is which is not true. <laughs> um, you can look at my my results from yesterday's race and know that I'm not the best by where I was placed. But she thinks like I'm the best, right? And I thought, you know, for a long time, she never really thought I did anything wrong until I had grandkids. I mean, until she had grandkids. Sorry, I haven't had grandkids yet. Um, they're still ways away from that, but. When she had grandkids, then all of a sudden she's like, "Hey, you don't need to you don't need to get on them so hard." I'm like, "You remember how hard I got was gotten on to, right?" Like, I didn't get to do that. You want me to do that? There's these special places that we move into in life uh, of these different titles and roles, and this is the way it's designed. God has designed us like this, and I think we need that in the church. And uh, and if you are you're not doing that if you're not in one of those roles. I mean, God is calling you. He's calling us to be fathers, mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers, sons and daughters in the family of God. That's the way He wants it. That's the way it's designed to be. Now notice this. Also, we come from another. So, 
all of us here came from somebody else, which is why we're not self-created and these sort of things. And so that means somebody had to bear you. Somebody had to do the work at least nine months or roughly around nine months of work to get you here, growing you in a body, which is, again, just an amazing process. And so it reminds me, really, of, of Romans 12 where, where Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. As you know, a, mother's, a woman's body changes in pregnancy. Quite drastically changes. I mean, we actually just, you know, the kids were laughing at the one picture of, of April when she was pregnant, you know. Uh, and the body creates room for another. I mean, what a, what a crazy idea. And yet, this is the way we become Christians. Is it not? Notice this. My faith didn't come from me. It was passed down to me. And don't you remember what Paul says in 1 Timothy? He says, look, Lois and Eunice first had the faith, and now you, Timothy, it's been deposited to you. He literally calls out two women eternally that are, will be remembered now eternally because it's in God's Word. Two women, his grandmother and his mother. And he said, you know, it started with her, with your grandmother, and then went to your mother, and now it's in you, that same good news, that same faith. And here's the reality about the Christian life. It never begins with you. Your salvation begins in someone else. So the question becomes this. Whose salvation are you carrying around? Or are you barren in the Christian life? We're all called to bear others in our own bodies, in literal ways, where we attach ourselves to someone else for the sake of the gospel. I mean, this is really a one-for-one one here when we're talking about being born again. Notice the language of Jesus. If we're going to be born again, that means somebody else has to carry us. There's that, um, it's really one of my favorite stories in the gospels is Mark 2. And I'll probably overuse it, but but you'll have to forgive me for that. It's just my—it's one of my favorites. The guy that comes through the wall—I mean, down uh, through the roof. Remember, he's actually carried by his four friends. In other words, he's a paraplegic. He can't get there by himself to Jesus. But how does he get there? It's through others carrying him. So, who are we carrying in our life? If you're not carrying anybody, then maybe you're still a baby. In the Christian life. And Paul says, hey, that's fine, but you can only be on milk for so long and you must be weaned. And when you're weaned, you grow up and then you begin to carry others and point others to Christ. He even says, you know, some of you should already be eating meat and you're not. You're still trying to just stay on the milk. And in, the, in, a, in a church family like this, we have people, people in the whole range of the family. Some are babies, some are still some, are, some have not even been born yet. They've not been born again yet. And that's okay. But we have to make sure that as Christians, especially mature Christians, that we are carrying someone in our hearts, in our lives, to Christ. Now, I will say this. If you're a parent, then your, your very first responsibility is to carry those who God has entrusted to you. I mean, if I, if I minister to others as a, as a pastor and lose my family, 
because I haven't invested in them? Do you think God's just going to be like, yeah, that's all right. Look how many people you know, were saved under your ministry and look at all the good you did out in the world. You, know, you lost your own kids, but that's all right. You know? No. No. No, we brought these five people in the world. We're responsible for them to create room in our own lives, to sacrifice our own selves for them, to present our bodies, to literally live out. And, and you know, I love the, the liturgy for infant baptism. It says to become the gospel of Jesus Christ for them. We become that for them. And so he says, a nursing mother or a nurturing mother. And, and what it reminds me of is this. When we're nurtured in Christ, Christ sees the best in us. Even if we're not really giving our best. Or even if we're not the best. Um, you know, I used to go out and I picked these little yellow flowers, you know, weeds. But I'd collect them and I would, I would, I mean, like in my head, I honestly remember this. In my head, I, I really believed I was like sacrificing my time, you know, to go out there and, and get, I mean, I wasn't playing with G.I. Joe's after all. You know, I was messing with flowers. Who wants to do that? But I would pick these things in a bouquet and I would even, I would even get some other weeds and just like the florist would do, I'd put them in there, you know what I mean? Uh, between the yellow flowers and I would present those to my mom and you know a couple times she she'd be just so thankful you know for these weeds and the reason she was thankful is because she saw more than just weeds she saw something else a a little kid that was trying his best without any money to bring his mom a bouquet of flowers you know God looks at us like that we offer sometimes what we think is pretty good when in fact eh, it's not really good looking on the outside like I wouldn't think it was good or you wouldn't think it was good for me but he sees much more than weeds when we offer him our weeds it's about a pure heart isn't it pure intentions that's what he's looking at is our heart and although we're just a little snotty nosed kid coming up to mom you know and she's going to have to you know throw those things away or whatever because she's allergic to them and whatnot. You know, she still accepts them as a great gift. I've oftentimes go to people's homes, you know, and on the refrigerators, there's this like monstrosity of scribbling. You ever seen this? And yet it's up there like it's artwork. And, you know, you go in, you're like, man, somebody really just must be angry or something, you know, like letting loose anger. I don't know. Uh, but instead, it was a kid. You know, they're, they're trying to draw something from their mom, and and for the mom, it's a piece of artwork. And again, you know, I'm kind of scribbling through life, if you will, in my Christian life. But he accepts it as artwork, puts it up on his. If God has a refrigerator, your stuff's on there. You know what I mean? Like your your artwork's on there. What you're offering to him, you know, up here when you're setting up. I mean, we have so many different ministries that make possible Sunday, but also Wednesdays and our small groups and all the ministries that you hear about. There's so many people that behind the scenes do stuff just like a mother does stuff behind the scenes, and and it's a beautiful thing. We we need more people that are creating space for grace in other people's lives because that's the only way they're going to get it is through you that i mean again if god designed being born to be a process that takes another being born again takes another 
So if other people are going to be born again, if other people are going to receive salvation, it's going to be through you who are right in this room. One of my professors used to say, you all are the best God has. That's true. He's not looking to use a guy named Moses in a different century. He's looking to use you. He's done with Moses. Moses is done. He's retired. He's out of the game. Now it's our turn. So what can you do in your life to have a mother's love just like Paul had for the Thessalonians? What, what can you do? You can actually just give your time to others. Not be so self-absorbed that you can't pray and intercede for others on not just praying for their grandma or for their hurt leg, but in praying for their salvation. You know, I'm convinced that in our praying, we, we oftentimes, and I'm speaking to myself, we oftentimes just skip right over the most needed thing. You remember Jesus' temptation was to turn rocks into bread, into bagels, biscuits? Well, he said no, because mankind doesn't live by bread alone, but by the Word of God. So if that's true, then what's more necessary than being fed and filled is being saved, being born anew, being born again. It must be (laughs) Jesus, if that was the most ultimate thing, would have turned all would have ended world hunger, but he did not. And there is a world hunger today, but it's not just physical bread, it's spiritual. And it's not Ethiopian children. Instead, it's right here in Madison. People are starving to death for the Word of God. They don't look like it. They're driving nice cars, living in in nice homes, but they're starving to death for a word from God. Their marriage is drowning They don't know what to do with their children. There's things going on at work that scare them to death. And they don't have anywhere to go to but themselves. This is where the church comes in and cares for others. Makes room in our own lives and busy schedules for someone else. I mean, that's what the firewood ministry was about. Got up early in the morning and and, chopped wood, loaded wood, all that. For what? For other people. That's what. For the people. It's what we're doing here this morning. We're not here for ourselves. We're here to get some word from God so that we can move out into His fields this week and produce. I told you in the beginning that the term mothering actually means to bear, to produce, to birth. What could we birth at this church if we began to make space for other people? Not only make space for God, because see, God's never going to allow something. You make space for Him, He's going to turn right around and say, alright, make space for other people then. You're like, well, I like you. I don't necessarily like other people. He's going to say, you can't do that. You can't do that. He says it multiple places. You don't, you know, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. If you don't love others, you don't love me. So, <clears throat> How about, just like the Scripture says in Proverbs 31, 28, I will rise up and call her blessed. What, you know, if we started making space, making room, 
in our bodies, in this body of believers, for others even more, I believe God will stand up on the last end and call what we did blessed. What a thought that is. Enter in, my good and faithful servant, to the rest that is to come. You know, I know that uh, I know this about about being uh, at least a young mother, like my wife is. is um, It's exhausting. It's constant. People pulling on you, and in the Christian life, it, if you're giving yourself and you are in ministry, it is exhausting at times. It's people pull on you and. and and, and whatnot, and you have to be refueled. You have to have times of rest. The scripture demands a Sabbath rest. So this morning, if if you need that rest, if you are giving of yourselves and you need to rest in the Lord, if you need to receive peace from God, if a word from God, then I'm going to invite you to come to these altars. If if it's you though who say, you know what, I should be more mature in the faith, but instead I'm still a baby pulling, pulling on others. In other words, when I come to church, I'm not giving, instead I'm pulling. Um, I want you to come too and pray and say, you know what, Lord, help me to be mature, to be weaned, to see not just doing church for myself, but instead for others. Don't hide behind just doing church for your own children. Because again, you're not going to be able to give properly if you've not been fed yourself. And so this morning, if you don't have someone that you're carrying in your life, would you be willing to come down here and just say to God, Lord, lay someone on my heart that I can carry in my own soul. Because trust me, that's how you came to salvation was because of somebody else. I mean, if we could tell all our stories right now, it's because someone else brought us in. If that's the case, no one else is going to come in unless you bring them in. Reminds me of that old song, Bringing in the Sheaves. You remember that? That was an old, old hymn, Bringing in the Sheaves. Yeah, Bringing in the Produce. We've got to do it. It's our job. Didn't He commission us to this? Go and make disciples of all nations? He didn't, he didn't put, a, put a filter on it. He didn't say, only these type of people go and make disciples. He said, everybody. It's everybody. And so, I want to thank God for mothers, but we also want to thank God that He has mothered us into His church and that the church is a place that creates space for us and nurtures us in His Word that we can feed off of Him in our hearts. And so, join me as we pray, as we stand. And actually, I'm going to ask Rachel if she will come with uh, whoever else is going to, going to help and do the um, I Love You, Lord song, if you don't mind. It's actually one of my, my favorite tunes um, for, for uh, Christian music. Let's all stand.